This is Father Jared Kramer from St. John's Episcopal Church in Grand Haven, Michigan, here with today's edition of Christian Mythbusters, a regular segment I offer to counter some common misconceptions about the Christian faith. Last week, as we continue walking through the great 50 days of Easter, I sought to break some of the myths surrounding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Specifically, I tried to speak to the theological principle that Jesus was bodily raised. I talked about how this was more than the resuscitation of a corpse, that his resurrected body was different than a normal mortal body, but that the idea that he was still raised bodily is indeed a core tenet of the Christian faith, both scripturally and theologically. But I should probably be clear this week that I didn't answer one of the key questions you might have. Why? Why is the truth of the bodily resurrection so important? Why do people like author John Updike, whose poem Seven Stanzas of Easter I shared last week, say things like, make no mistake, if he rose at all, it was as his body. If the cell's dissolution did not reverse, the molecule renit, the amino acids rekindle, the church will fall. Will it really? The why question is important, and so this week I'd like to break the myth that some people have who think that believing in the resurrection probably isn't an essential part of the Christian faith. I talked last week about the essentiality of the bodily resurrection of Christ in the scriptural witness. In particular, I highlighted the words from the Apostle John in his first epistle, quote, We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The Apostle Paul spoke to this as well in the 15th chapter of his first epistle to the Corinthians, where he said, quote, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we've hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So clearly the apostles and the early church believed in the truth of the bodily resurrection, but the question remains, why? Why does it matter? To be clear, the church has spent the better part of 2,000 years exploring this question, and there's no way I could summarize all those theological arguments in the next two and a half minutes I have. That said, there are two reasons for the essentiality of the bodily resurrection that I personally find particularly persuasive. The bodily resurrection is essential for the same reason that the incarnation is essential— Because in Christ, God chose to be one of us, to take on our nature, to experience all the delight, pain, and struggle of mortality, all the pain and struggle, the guilt and doubt that has plagued you as a human. In Christ, God chose to take all that on, and God was not overcome. And so, because of the bodily resurrection, we can trust that our own mortal existence will not be the end, but in the end, it will be transformed and made new by God's love, but it will be made new still, embodied that all of the goodness of what it means to be an embodied human will finally be made perfect because of the work of God in Christ. The second point is made quite well by our former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams. The resurrection is in part about the sheer toughness and persistence of God's love. When we have done our worst, God remains God and remains committed to being our God. God was God even while God in human flesh was dying in anguish on the cross. God is God now in the new life of Jesus raised from the dead. I've made this same point another way in conversations. If God cannot raise humans from the dead, if that's beyond God's power, then how is God truly anything more than a nice thought? But if God can raise the dead, and if God did so in Jesus Christ, then this makes an important point about the persistence of God's love. How even the worst in humanity, even the worst in you and the worst in me, cannot stop the love of God in Jesus Christ. 
I know neither of those might be particularly appealing or persuasive for you, and that's fine. I think we all come to God with different needs, different struggles, and different theological truths that help draw us into faith. But what I really hope you do know is this. You are not alone in your lived existence as a human being, even if it might feel that way sometimes. And God and Christ chose to share that existence, and through divine love, to go to the very dark, scary end of it, but not let that be the end, but through God's love to redeem and transform human existence. And that means something important. It means that God's love can transform your own life as well, no matter how dark and scary it might get. God's love can still raise it up if you're willing to give yourself to it. Thanks for being with me. To find out more about my parish, you can go to sjegh.com. Until next time, remember, protest like Jesus, love recklessly, and live your faith out in a community that accepts you but also challenges you to be better tomorrow than you are today.